Hello, everyone, and welcome to the final episode, episode 172 of the Great Escape Minute, the daily podcast where we dig into the Great Escape one minute at a time. Actually, I'll give everyone a little bit of a spoiler. This isn't a minute, but we'll, we might talk for more than that. So I'm Rob, and my guest for this final show is my good friend, Jay Klubik from the Deep Blue Sea podcast and from Life Versus Film and the Shepherd of the Lamb. So welcome back to the show, Jay. Thank you, Rob. I escaped. I got out. I made it across the countries. And then you dragged me back into the cooler once again. But that's part of the whole, hope of, that's part of the hope of the movie. You know, The hope of the podcast. The hope of the podcast, the hope of the movie, either of them. You know, first of all, I, I, I got to say that, that a year ago, I never would have believed that I would have been able to do 175 episodes. I mean, this is 172, but we did have, you know, three additional episodes. But 175 episodes is just amazing for me to be able to do on my inaugural podcast. And it just makes me want to do more and more. We'll, we'll get to that towards the end of the, the show. We'll talk a little bit about that. On behalf of the other listeners and the other guests congratulations and, and thank you for doing this is a, a wonderful film i'm glad somebody uh, took on the task of doing, doing it minute by minute i've thoroughly enjoyed listening to every episode even the ones i was on and uh yeah i just want to say thank you for for doing this project and for having me on well you're very welcome and as as you know and as i've mentioned numerous times you're you're at fault for me doing this you know if i want to blame <laughs> yes, someone I have, to, I have to blame you <laughs> you know you're the one who, who got me to start thinking about which movie i want to actually do and i chose this movie most people thought i was most people in the movies by minute community thought i was crazy which says a lot because you know we're all crazy <laughs> yes, for doing this thing and for the fact that most <laughs> yes. of all these people thought that i'm crazy for wanting to actually do as my first movie, a movie that's 172 episodes. Uh, well, here's to all of you guys. Cause I did it. <laughs> uh, but if, if, a, if a group of people are all crazy, like the MXM community, if they all call somebody crazy, that person might be sane. Uh, it could be, could be. It's I, the cash. Wait a second. We, I was going to yeah. say, are we talking catch 22 here? <laughs> you know, this, I, that is not a movie I will be doing in the future. I'm not the biggest fan of that movie and doing a movies by minute podcast of that movie would, would be just completely insane. Or you'd actually have to prove that you're insane or not. I agree. There. Yes. <laughs> it would be fittingly. Yeah. Yes. Very much. So, <laughs> so thank you. Thank you for, for all of that, Jay. So where have we gotten to? We've done 171 minutes of this movie we've reached the final minute which if anyone's counting it's actually not a full minute it's only 53 seconds so it's seven seconds I feel short. short changed i'm sorry i feel short changed uh okay you well, on here not for a full minute <laughs> but uh, but we'll be able to talk for more than most of my guests talked throughout the course of this movie so how's that we'll be able to top that or try to top it at least i'm well, i'm sure we will yes <laughs> I, I have a feeling. Who knows? We'll, we'll have to wait and see. So this minute, or this 53 seconds, we're just going to call it a minute. We'll just, we'll just keep it at that. We'll just call it a minute instead of having to call it each time 53 seconds just to be more exact. We'll just say it's a minute. Yep. Okay. It's, it's close. It's, if you round it up, it's, it's close. There you go. So this minute is the tail end of the credits. Now, yesterday when my friend... Jason was on. We, we didn't really get that much into the credits because we were talking so much about everything else. So I'm just going to recap a little bit along with Jay of the the credits that we missed from yesterday's episode. 
so there there were five credits that we saw at the end of minute 171. You had the credit of Robert Graff, who played Werner the Ferret. Okay, Jay, I'm gonna I'm gonna quiz you on these. All right, do you know what shot they used for each of them? Now they use uh, all of these credits. They they use some great shots from the movie, and let, let let's see if Jay knows which shots they are. So the shot of well, I, I did try and Werner. I, I preempted this and tried to guess going through. So this to me looks like when he's called back in uh, because he, he's lost his wallet. And Henley's like, oh, we need a camera. That is uh, correct. Give him the details of the camera. You're, you're okay, very correct, good. Jay. He, it's right after we we get Henley say to him, and I need a camera too. And then we see the shock on his face. So the focal point shutter. Yes. Yeah. The focal point. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Are, are, are these all exactly like the exact footage from the film? Yes. Or they are. Were some? Well, everyone. Some of them seem a little, tell, a little longer. Are. Well, some of them seem to me a, a, a few frames longer than the actual shots. Or when we when we get to the next one, uh, the the villainous Cavendish, uh, he he's obviously he's just been through his bunk. He's just yes. fallen through all the slats of the bunk. Yes. is the shot of Cavendish. Correct. Uh, but he's like looking around dazed a lot more than I remember him doing in the actual film. No, <laughs> um, from from what I know, these are the actual shots from the movie. They didn't change them in any way, shape, or form. Okay, fair enough. Um, I could be wrong. I, I didn't do a, a, a deep blue sea analysis or a you know, movie swings and fix flicks analysis, as Mark would do, to try and figure that out. So, if if either one of you guys want to do that, you're you're more than welcome to. <laughs> but I have a feeling that that you, you don't I'll... that you don't want to on this movie because it's I'll... not really deep I'll blue, Jason. <laughs> Uh, it is it's not at all. No. Yeah. So so basically, we have the credit for for Cavendish, Nigel Stock, the Surveyor, and then we get the next one, which is Ives the Mole, played by Angus Lenny. So where's that one from? Ah, uh, wonderful Ives. Well, it's in the cooler, uh, as is like most shots of Ives are in the cooler, and I I think it's the first time they're thrown in. Yep. It's the first time. Yeah, right. Because, at the start. because yeah. the second time when he goes in, he you see that he's completely distraught and he's covered in dirt. That yeah. too. But this is the first time where he he walked in and he had this big smile on his face until he was shoved against the wall, and then you see his smile disappear. Yes, uh, I, I was glad that they used one of these shots and not him dying on the fence because well, at the end of the film we want it to be a bit more upbeat. Yeah, I suppose. That's true. And so they they, they haven't really picked anything that's overly traumatic for any of the characters yeah. well, well as, as we've discussed throughout the course of this whole show there aren't that many traumatic events shown on screen in this movie you know the, the the shooting of the 50 is all done off screen you don't see that we just hear the gunshots you know you have ives get shot but there's no blood yes. or anything like that when coon gets gets shot at point blank range there's no blood when ashley pitt gets shot as he's running down the, from the train tracks and falls, you know, onto the train tracks in a very dramatic way that only David McCollum can do. Obviously, there's also no blood, so we, we don't see any blood anytime except for we we see the the fake ketchup on Henley's face when yes. he's holding on to Blythe. Well, I mean, like it's like I said the first time I was on a year ago. Uh, it seems uh, this is my favorite film that features that half the cast get executed in the in the final yeah. act. It, I guess it's the most up, upbeat execution you can think Completely. of. Completely. 
Yeah. It, it, you weren't on, you didn't record a year ago. You recorded on, on March 10th, just to, to let everyone behind the curtain here a little bit. Oh, so close. Yeah, it was close. T- today, today that, that we are, are recording this final episode is one week before it will be released. So this is the 20th of February. So it's been almost a year. That, that's still pretty good. Uh, it, it's a lunar year. How's that? <laughs> so it's close. That'll work. Close. Okay. Exactly. <laughs> Why not? Why not? So you've had a year of the Great Escape. Yes. Pretty much. Yes. But but as you know, as you know, most most of this was recorded all before I started releasing the episodes. But I've learned that that's not the best way to do things. And yes. and for my future endeavors, people will see that it will be slightly different. But again, I'm getting ahead of myself. We'll get there uh, when we're finished talking about the Great Escape. First, that's that's what we're here for, just to talk yeah. about the Great Escape, about how great of a movie it is, and how great of a podcast I was able to do on it. <laughs> So let's yeah, yeah let's move along. Our next cast member that is shown in the credits is John Layton, who played Willie the Tunnel King, one of the only three members of the cast that is still alive as of today's recording, unless something happened last night that I didn't know about. So where do you think that? Yeah, so from? this is one of the the, the planning. It's one of the planning scenes because he's leaning on that broom, and I couldn't remember exactly when about that was. <laughs> No, first of all, he's not on a uh, broom, he's on a mop. Uh, okay. Does that help you? Uh, well, Does it help you it, figure out oh, it's, it's what when, scene it is? Is it when uh, uh, Cedric says he's a lifeguard? Yes, okay. that's exactly when it is. He, when he says, what are you doing here? And he goes, washing up. Yeah, with, with Bronson in the shower. Yeah, that's it's a wonderful moment. Depends <laughs> on how you look at it, yeah. <laughs> it's It's a shot that would be very different if it was done today. Probably, yes. Yes. <laughs> the bridge gap credit that we get from the end of yesterday's minute that goes into today's minute, which Jason mentioned that this actor actually gets shortchanged because his minute gets he gets split into the two minutes, is Gordon Jackson as McDonald Intelligence. Yes, Max in the library, and it looks like he's just uh, said good luck to somebody. I can't remember which character it was he says good luck to, and they've said, oh, thanks, Mac, and he's rumbled them. No, 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 oh. no, I got you. On, they got you on that one. This is actually when he is just told by Hiltz that they're going to use pipes to poke holes in the top. Oh, it's such a silly idea. Yes, it's just, it's so brilliant. It's 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 let's say it's so stupid. It's brilliant. I think that's what he says at the time. That that's that's my understanding. It's just my work, yes. <laughs> yeah. Well, in reality, you know, as as I discussed on the podcast, someone really did do that, and they came, they, they were able to actually escape yeah. until they got caught. Yeah, most of most of these guys got caught when they got out. It didn't really make a difference from that perspective. Okay, so then we move along to today's episode, which continues with surprisingly the end of McDonald's is is, is yeah. little credit. So we, he didn't get completely shortchanged. We we got to see him there. So moving along, we then get to David McCollum, Ashley Pitt Dispersal. David, once again, is one of the three members of the cast that is still alive. And I had the pleasure almost a year ago, also in the middle of March, to interview him. So anyone who missed that episode, you can go back and, and check that special episode. I think it came out between 40 and 41. It must have been released, I think, in the end of August where I it was, it was for the MXM day. Yes. Yeah. 
just for MXND. I think that was a great interview. It was it was a, a benchmark day for me in this podcast that I was actually able to, to get him to agree to do an interview. I didn't have much time to prepare for it, and I think it still worked out really well. I, I was quite, yeah, quite impressed I, I with myself. You, uh, you met, <laughs> I remember you messaging me about it. Like, oh, my God, I need to do this now. Uh, David McCavin's available. He's on the phone now. He's now on the phone, and he doesn't do Skype, and he doesn't do Zoom, and I need to figure out how to record him on my phone. And for, and I, I, I was able to do it. You know, yeah, I think uh, considering the, sh- the short notice and the technical limitations, he did a great job. And he, he gave us some great insight into things. Into, I, I, I loved a few of his stories. The, the one I loved the most was his story about when he was at the premiere, about how it really moved him to finally see everything that they did and see it on the screen with all the fanfare and stuff like that. So as I said, anyone who hasn't heard that, go back, take a listen. I, I, I think it'll be great. And uh, David, if you are listening, which I doubt you are, because it doesn't sound like you really listen to podcasts, but if you are, I want to once again, thank you from the, from the bottom of my heart for helping with this and giving me that rare interview. All right. So where, where's that scene from? Where do you think that's from? Uh, he's outside. Uh, he's Good guess. <laughs> given it. <laughs> it's in the camp somewhere. Uh now he, well, he's he's watching something, and I think my guess would be he's watching somebody using his trouser dispersal because he has like a knowing smirk. He's like watching something happening that he's in, he's approving of. You are correct. Uh, yeah. Okay. It's he's he's standing there looking. A few of these I'm not sure about. So. Yeah. Okay. All right. That's a good one. All right. Moving along, we get Hans Messmer. Van Luger, the Commandant. Commandant. The Commandant. Yes. Okay, so where do you think uh, this is so from? I think this is from my first week, when his first meeting with Ramsey. You are uh, correct, Jay. Tete-a-tete. There you go. You see, the memory's good, even after almost a year. <laughs> but, I mean, the problem is, all the settings are the same. If it's in the camp, it could be at any point in the film. So yeah. I'm just going on expressions yes but it is you you are correct it's when he's explaining to ramsey about the rules of the camp and you know let's just sit the war out peacefully next we get james coburn sedgwick manufacturer yes, sedgwick. yep so this he's he's underground and he's sweaty so i think this is a, a collapse has just occurred and they've just pulled out uh either danny or willie from being stuck in the tunnel i think Right, you're 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 half correct there, or more than half correct, because that is when they're there for. He's he's there installing the air pump, and at the time that yes. they're installing the air pump, that's when they have the cave in, and they have to pull out. I, you know, I, <laughs> I think it's Danny at this point. No, it's no, it's it, Willie. It happens to I both. Of them. It happens to both of them. I'm trying to think of which one it is. You're right. It's one of them. They're they're interchangeable. You know, salt salt and pepper. <laughs> the same thing, really, aren't they? Yeah. All right. Now moving along, we get Donald Pleasant says Blythe the Forger. Oh, this one there's a as a clue that he's wearing civilian clothes. So this is when he sat waiting for Roger to come and he's like practicing his pin. Yes. Uh yeah. Practicing being not being sighted. <laughs> Even though he doesn't do a great job. No, he doesn't do a very good job. I mean we did, we discussed this throughout, you know, an all the minutes that they showed him after he's supposedly blind and we saw how often he was just doing things that a blind person wouldn't do, <laughs> you know, the way that he was reacting and stuff like that. So, yeah, but 
you know, it's still a great role for John Donald Pleasant. He, it's a great. His character is one of the one of the best characters in the movie because he does have this strange type of arc that you wouldn't expect to have. Yes, he has he has more of an arc than other people yeah. do. Yeah, like Sedgwick is just, I'm going to escape. And I'm going to take a suitcase. Oh, Cedric's arc, anyway. suitcase and with, the, mini, the mini arc of making an air pump. <laughs> yes. And and having a fake accent the whole time. Wait, what are you what are you talking about? Yeah, no, or or not story. having it, not having an accent. How's that? Yeah. You can you can look at it from that perspective too. I wish he was home with his kangaroos. Yeah, that that's actually how you know he's Australian. <laughs> yeah. You you only I know like you only know he's Australian because of all of the the derogatory comments. The same way that that the, the only reason that we know that Haynes is supposed to be Canadian is because they also make fun of him and call him I think they call him a Canuck at one point or something like that. That's that's like the only giveaway. So, yes. Yeah. <laughs> and they, they wanted to try and make it more diverse, but but didn't really manage to do it that well. What can I tell you? <laughs> All right. So after Donald Pleasance, get Charles Bronson as Danny Tunnel King. The great Charles Bronson. So I think I think they kind of used a bunch of the same scenes for these. I think this is the same scene as Cedric. Pretty much. So he just pulled out uh, Willie. Yes. You can see by the by the dirt on his face that he had just been pulled out from. Yeah, they just took a, a bunch of the same scenes. It's like, okay, well, these guys are in this scene. These guys are in this scene because the next one we have is Ramsey, and that's the same scene of the commandant. Right. Well, well, Ramsey is not in in the in the tunnel, so at least that. So yes, now we get James no. Donnell, Ramsey, the SBO, the senior British officer, and you are actually yeah. incorrect. It is not oh. in the office. This is actually in the barracks. Okay, this is a scene of him dealing with Hiltz and Ives talking about their escape plan. So this is – you're right about the fact I that they're see. using it because this is the same scene with Gordon Jackson. Oh, I see. Okay. So correct theory but incorrect yes. details. Correct. Okay. Oh, I'll give it to you. Because <laughs> <laughs> basically, you know, to remind anyone who doesn't remember what that scene is, is that that's where – we had Hilts and Ives come in and say they have this great idea of tunneling through the dirt underneath, and they're going to use a pipe to push it up, to use that for air on along the way. Yep. Continuing along, we get Richard Attenborough as Bartlett Big X. So what scene do you think this is? Uh, this is when the, the raptor egg hatches, and he's just like me eating it for the first time. Uh, close, very close. It's actually where he starts running from. He's running from the T Rex, you know, and he doesn't believe that what he's. I see. Oh, okay. <laughs> he never does that. Attenborough never. <laughs> never runs from the T Rex. <laughs> I know. I know. Attenborough's running days were over at that point. <laughs> well, Bartlett's days definitely were over at that point. He pulls up in the car to get to get them. Yes, at the end. Yes, yes. So yeah, <laughs> it's not from Jurassic Park. Sorry, Jay. Uh, no, you know no. they they couldn't they yeah. couldn't edit that thirty years later and change that. Yeah. But maybe maybe you can make wow. a copy and just change it. You know you can change the the actual credit. Maybe I will. All right, good. good. I mean we 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 had the discussion. <laughs> for all of these right, we had the discussion that possibly you know could Roger and Hammond be actually the same person, and we, we came up with some theories that it is possible because we don't see him actually get shot. It's it's off screen. You know, he somehow gets through. Uh, so, I, I mentioned in the in the uh, the Facebook group in the caller that uh, the scar on his face is from when he got the the raptor attack. Uh, but that doesn't. So he would have also been doing that prior to being put into the camp. He's been working on these uh, genetics for for decades at this point, maybe. Uh, but obviously, the timer doesn't work out. 
but it's well, maybe he theory. maybe he cloned yeah, himself. I haven't also. seen him. Maybe he cloned himself. Perfect. There, there we go. So this is the original. This is the original Big X, and then he he his, it's his clone in Jurassic Park. There we there go. go. I like that. All right. See, and it fits right in. There you go. I like now I, I found something interesting that we it that does. we never discussed beforehand. Did did you know that besides the fact that Richard Harris was supposed to play Big X? Okay, that's something that, that that we did discuss. The reason he dropped out of it was because he was running behind schedule while he was filming the movie This Sporting Life, and he also okay. saw that they changed the whole script, and uh, basically because of Steve McQueen, who wanted to have more stuff for his character to do, so they diminished the role of Big X, so Harris was not happy about that also, and I guess that was another reason why he didn't want – he wasn't – he didn't care not to be in the movie at that point. So, I mean, one of the things that I found during my research was interesting is besides the fact that Richard Harris was supposed to play Big X at the beginning, so they also offered it to John Mills. Okay, do you, do you know who John Mills is? Uh, it's it's a name I recognize, but I couldn't tell you anything about him. Other than so he was in a lot of David Lee movies. Like... You know, he was in. Okay. He was in Great Expectations. He was. He also won an Oscar for for working with David Lean and Ryan's daughter. So yeah, I mean he he okay. was he was known as a he, he actually was also in Gandhi. So you know I was going to say there was a, there's a connection between him and and, and Attenborough. Attenborough. Yeah, right. <laughs> Directed so, him in, in Gandhi. Yeah, right. He, voice role. he he's known as one of the older you know British stage actors that that made it very big on the screen. Also, I mean he was also in Young Winston. Again, I get maybe they became friends while making this movie and decided that he'll you know put him in those type of movies too. I don't know. Maybe. Exactly. Where the shot was with Big X? He's just come in. He's just uh, rumbled Blythe's blindness, it looks like. Yeah. Uh, and for, for Henley, I think it's the same scene. I think it's when he comes into the room and Blythe's, Blythe's in his escape clothes and he says, oh, what do you think of mine? No. Right. Oh. This is actually the scene where he comes in and says to Blythe, how did you get here? <laughs> Like, what are you doing? Oh, here? it's their first meeting. Okay, it's their it's their first meeting. It's right before he's he's about to go look for the the milk so that he can have his civilized tea. Yeah, I I misread the expression in in Garner's eyes. It it looked like pity, and just kind of like, oh, you're blind. Well, he was pitying. He is pitying. <laughs> True. <is it? laughs> he got he got shot down on a joyride. You know. Come yes, on. I see. Yeah. <laughs> I I still remember the the room. I, I'm, I'm trying to remember who who the, the the guest was at the time, but when we were talking about the joyride, they actually thought that Colin had actually stolen a plane and was shot down while he had. That was the type of joyride that he did. I think when that's what I, I always the interpreted first time it, I saw it as well. Like when I was okay, I always interpreted it that he went, you know, he just you know got in the back of someone else's plane and that was it. You know, that that's the understanding that I've always had of it. I, I mean, so, I prefer the narrative of Blythe. Under the cover of darkness, went out and stole a plane. <laughs> but, I think it would be great, but I don't think that Donald Pleasance is the right character for that. It's always the ones you, know, you least expect. That is true. That's true. It's always the quiet ones. It's always <laughs> the forger. Correct. Now, do you know who who was offered the role of Henley, or who they originally wanted to play the role of Henley? Uh, I don't. I have not looked into that. They wanted Burt Lancaster to play this role. I'm glad that he didn't. I like Burt Lancaster. Uh, me too. But I, I think what Garner does is perfect. 
Well, wait, well I've, I've said this throughout the whole podcast that it, it doesn't matter. It, there's no character in this movie that I would want to be played by someone else. I, I think they're all almost completely perfect for, for what they do here. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I, you I, have, I have you no have problem. A, you have a, do you, I have no problem with anyone. Do you have a list of people that you would that you would that you would replace? Uh, I, I I don't. I think that everyone is in this story. I do actually. <laughs> something I like doing is uh, I do have a list of is I, I recast the film with Muppets. With Muppets, okay. Well, yeah. we'll get to that. If you wanted to go we'll into to that. that flight of fancy, yeah, sure. That would be that would be great. So we'll, we'll finish we'll finish the final credit and then then we can talk about Muppets if you'd like. Okay, that would that would be fine. Great. That would be completely fine by me. It'll be it'll be very interesting and educational to all of us. It'll be the second MXM show I've recorded where I've done that. Uh, the first okay. one's not out yet. <laughs> so I'm so I'm basically the first. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> Keep your ears peeled Wait, for you, Roadhouse, man. You, I was going to say you did that on Roadhouse. <laughs> Rod, Roger will be very happy to hear this if he if he's listening to this. Oh, you know that that you only do it on his that you didn't only do it on his show, but that show won't come out until I'm even finished with my second season. There we go. So <laughs> it's going to be a while. You got you got time for that. Thank you, Roger. There you go. Uh, <laughs> uh, I think my episodes will come out during your second season. Your episodes come out, I think, the the final week of my second season. Go. Yeah. Because mine come out the day after my my second season ends. I see. Okay. So theoretically, my third season has begun, even though I don't know what my third season will be yet. But you know, it's always nice talking from the future. Yes. You know, and the past. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. So. Then we get our final credit of the movie, Steve McQueen, the Cooler King. Yep. And where's the shot? Uh, I think it's in the cooler. Uh, <laughs> what a surprise. Yeah, shocking. <laughs> it's the shot of Steve McQueen. Uh, and as to when it's in the cooler, I think it's at the end of his first day when they're just yes. yeah, at the wall, about to be let out. Because how do you end your podcast every day? What do you say to end your podcast? Tell you. And the final shot, of the Great Escape has tallies on the wall. Ooh, there you go. To be. You know, I never, I never thought about that, Jay. There you go, because I always thought of Tally Ho a little differently. But that, that's great. <laughs> that is great. Thank you. Thank you for that insight. Wow. Well, I hope that my next season's tagline is not going to be seen at the end of the that <laughs> that movie. <laughs> well, we'll have to wait and see. We'll wait and see. Yeah. So. You never know. I'll have to. I'll have to beep it out. There you go. <laughs> Right now, okay. So we we see that Steve McQueen is the is basically first build here and final build. Now, do you know the how much money Steve McQueen was paid to be top build? Uh, well, I mean, Steve McQueen famously just an affable guy, never had any complaints about billing. He's always just happy to show up and be put anywhere in the billing of his films. So there's no infamous arguments between him and Paul Newman. Uh, no, I have no idea. I imagine a lot. Okay, so McQueen was paid $87,500. Okay, what would that have been today? And and do you know that, that there was another character or another actor that was paid almost twice that amount, uh, even though he's not top billed? I, I didn't, but my guess would be... Is it Garner? Is it... Yes, it is. Yes. He was paid 150000 That's impressive. Uh, I think he earned okay. that. As of today, in 2022, $87,000 that Steve McQueen was paid in 1963 is worth just under $800,000. Okay. 
Okay, that's a decent chunk of change. Which is which is which is quite impressive considering the fact that he is top build. And then Ghana got one point <laughs> six million. Wow. <laughs> yeah. No, one point three million. Oh, sorry, I thought you said almost double. No, no, because well, no, it was right because he it was eighty seven fifty and and one fifty. Okay, that's the difference. I see. Sorry. Right. No, so Garner got one point one point almost one point four million, which which is pretty good. That, that that's pretty that's interesting. Very good. Yeah. The, the, yeah, the inflation rate was an average of three point eight three percent every year over a period of fifty nine years. So missing from the credits, uh, I, I think Goff, Soren, Haynes, and Griffith were a little bit shortchanged by not being in the credits. Yes, personally, and yeah, probably I, probably I some of the other uh, some of the, the German characters whose names I don't know uh, were. were Schachtwitz. Yes, yes. Posen, Friesen, Dietrich, I think, Frick. I think maybe they should have been in there as well. But how do you think Kramer. these credits compare to the other great uh, showing of all the actors at the end of the film, Predator? The credits in Predator. Well, the credits in Predator, everyone's laughing. They're great. You know, they, <laughs> you know, they are great. There's no question about that. I love the fact that you have Carl Weathers. I think it's Carl Weathers who like points his fingers at the, yeah. at the screen. They're all laughing I'm, apart I'm pretty from sure. Schwarzenegger. Schwarzenegger is the only one who's right. like serious at the end of it. Because uh, uh, I, I have a feeling that he doesn't know how to laugh. Yes. I, <laughs> well, I mean, in, in Terminator 2, we saw him learning how to He wasn't programmed with so, laughing. Exactly. He I know now what you laugh. laugh. Yes. Uh, <laughs> and, um, I, I think I would have preferred that kind of thing for the credits of The Great Escape. Like, not, they're not just taking shots from the film, but they're actually filming the cast like if, outtake yeah outtake exactly so they're them uh flubbing a line laughing at the camera just make it a little bit more fun i don't know okay i i could agree with that but i, I it's still i like the way they did it here i, I mean like i discussed it. it a little bit yesterday with jason about the fact that i love the way they did this and that my my all-time favorite movie credit scene is from lethal weapon 4 okay it's been a long time i don't remember <laughs> that one Okay, where where they have real photographs of every cast member and every crew member. Nice. Because you know they finished the the uh, you know the, the series of four movies and stuff yeah. like that. So like you have the craft services and they have they show the, the credit for craft services and you show a picture of the people on craft services, something that you never see. That's in true. Movies. Yeah. So I've I've always loved the way they do that, and I mean I like the fact that it's unique. I don't think that we want to see every movie the way they do that. I think that would just be too much for people to have to go through constant, you know, pictures of of all the people on on the movie, because yeah. I don't know most most people don't watch credits unless it's an MCU movie and they're not sitting and watching the credits. They're talking until something happens on screen. They're checking their, checking their phone <laughs> until the end of the credits. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, or checking their phone to see if there is an end credit scene or how many there are. Yes, I I like the I, I love the end credits from uh, from Up. It's one that I really enjoy where they have, because there's all the different merit badges and up. And then for their closing credits, yes. they have merit badges based on the the roles that they're showing, which is always fun. Right. Okay. And I, I, but, you know, I can the agree be, with the you. The best credits is Deep Blue Sea because you have a wonderful song over them, which, again, The Great Escape is missing one of the cast members doing a rap that half explains the plot of this film, but with a supernatural tint. Uh, <laughs> No so point. I guess I guess you should complain to Sturgis that he didn't do that. He didn't think he wasn't ahead of his time enough 
you know, he wasn't 30, yeah, email 36 years ahead of his time. I, I need Charles Bronson to to rap about how he's half tunnel or something. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, good luck with that one. Yeah. <laughs> Definitely good luck with that. All right. So you, you mentioned earlier that that you wanted to recast this movie as Muppets. Yes. So, so I, go I, ahead. I did, this I, will be this will be fun. So I only did the the ones who were credited in the closing credits, uh, and I'll, I'll go through. Okay. So I. Uh, for the the two villainous roles that we get credited, which are, are Werner and the Commandant, I just took the two villainous Muppets from the 2011 The Muppets. So Werner is Bobo the bear, the big bear, just because he I can see him getting fumbled and flustered a lot. And then Uncle Deadly, that kind of blue dragon kind of guy, is the Commandant because that just makes sense. He's just, Uncle Deadly, yeah, that he's, he's like a he's like a blue dragon. Yeah, no, I remember. Yeah, I didn't remember the name. name. <laughs> um, Okay. Uh, Cavendish. No one likes Cavendish, so he's got to be Scooter. Because uh, no one likes Scooter. Scooter's just... He's hes trying his best, but he's always screwing up. Um, Can you see Scooter jumping on top of the bed and falling falling down? 100%. Okay. Uh, well, well, I suppose for that, I mean, it can either be him or it could be that the giant uh, Muppet, whose name I can't remember, like the huge bodysuit one. Uh, Beauregard, I think it is. I can't remember his, his full name. Uh, but the, the thing, oh, no, sorry, sweet, Sweetums, it's Sweetums. What are talking about, Sweetums? So it could be Sweetums because he, he would definitely break all of the things. But I've got Scooter as Cavendish, and the Electric Mayhem would be the band when he's doing the cor- the uh, the choral the cor- carols. He'd be right. conducting the Electric Mayhem. But you'd have like you'd see members of them dotted around elsewhere. Like Animal would be the shot when they're changing all of the they're doing the surveillance and they're moving the the lids across one to the other. Animal will be the guy who has to move the lid from one to the other because he'd make a huge. <laughs> Racket doing it and knock everything over. Uh, so I'll say vibes for a minute, but I've got uh, Willie as being Rizzo, and then Danny would be Pepe the King Prawn. Uh, because Danny is unintelligible, uh, and Pepe is often unintelligible. And I think they'd be, you could get a good gag out of this where they've dug the tunnel, they've only dug it big enough for the little Muppets that they are, like Pepe and Rizzo. Only the little guys can get through. <laughs> uh, I've got Mac as being Fozzie Bear. And um, similarly, Ro- Roger would be Kermit, I feel like. So those two would be a good kind of double act together. And then Fozzie would screw everything up at the end by saying, thanks, and ruin everything, because Fozzie ruins everything. Uh, and with with Kermit being Roger, uh, Ashley Pitt would be, would be Piggy, because she'd sacrifice, Ooh, she'd sacrifice herself at the end to save her beloved Kermit, I think. Uh, okay, I don't know if David McCollum will be too happy about that one, but okay. Well, he's probably not listening. But as we said, he's probably not listening, yeah. so that's fine. <laughs> uh, Sedgwick, I find it difficult to cast. I put Rolf as Sedgwick. Uh, with the, I love Rolf, I love Sedgwick, love them both. But I feel like he's... But he's not a, play- a piano player. He's not, but he he would be trying to carry a piano out of the out of the tunnel instead of his oh, okay. steamer there you go. And also, okay. Rolf's kind of characterized as being a bit lazy, and Sedgwick just never really comes around and finishes the air pump as he's supposed to for a long time. So you could do, okay. you could do something there. Uh, for Blythe, I've put Dr. Bunsen Honeydew, because he's got those glasses but no eyes. So he's, he's already going. Wait, fine. who? Dr. Who? Dr. Bunsen Honeydew. The guy with Beaker. He's like the scientist guy. Oh, okay. And the guy that he oh, recommends okay. for missing out the eagle, that's Beaker. you got to put him in somewhere. Oh, okay. Uh, <laughs> that was Smitty. Smitty. Uh, Ramsey, the SBO, is obviously Sam the Eagle. Has to be 
the kind of the most upright character going on about how great uh, America is apart from he's supposed to be British in this one, just as he did in <laughs> uh, the um, Muppet Christmas Carol. Right. And we're keeping James Garner. You have to keep one human. So we're keeping James Garner as, as uh, Headley. And then... Okay. Then you got Ives. I, Ives is Camilla. Because you have... Hilt's, you got to tell me who Camilla is. That I don't know. Oh, Hilt, you got me on that one. Hilt's has to be Gonzo. No, Hilt's is Gonzo. Hilt's I knew has that. To be Gonzo. There you go. And Camilla is yeah. the chicken. It's Gonzo's chicken. Ah, okay. So... Because Camilla, also unintelligible, she's a chicken, Ives, Scottish, often unintelligible. So we're going to get a scene of Camilla. Especially when singing uh, Scottish uh, exactly. songs. Exactly. So you're going to get a on scene of Ozzy and Camilla dancing around drunk, uh, singing Scottish songs. <laughs> uh, and then you probably have, like, uh, Lou Zealand is the guy for, with the, the fish, who throws the fish all the time. He'd have some kind of uh, dispersal idea involving th- throwing fish. Statler and Waldorf, I couldn't really place anywhere. I feel like you, they could just be arguing on the train. He had those, he had the two uh, older women on the train at some point. That could be Statler and Waldorf, maybe. <laughs> and the Swedish chef would be Goff, the other American, because he's doing all of the alcohol brewing. Okay. Uh, that's about as far as I got. <laughs> that, that, <laughs> Before that's I had to go to that's bed. So much more than, than, than I would have even thought. I mean, I, I'm not as, I'm not a Muppet fan. Like you are, for sure. Especially given the fact that I didn't recognize half of the people that you mentioned. And so you had to describe who they were until for me to know who they were. But okay, that's fine. Uh, I mean, there's, there's hundreds of, of background Muppet characters. You can fill the, the camp with those. I feel like they could use... There's a lot of, of like background penguins. You could use them for the, the various Nazis who don't really have speaking roles. Just just throw penguins at them. Well, no. Them. Penguins were the people who had the dirt in their pants. Of course, yes. That's what they called them in the real escape. There we go. Makes they perfect were, sense. They were the penguins. So yeah, there you go. All right, great. So I, I just also wanted to mention a whole bunch of odds and ends, things that, that I, I missed throughout the entire course of this show. So the first thing is something that, that both Jay and I noticed when we saw the, the latest James Bond movie, which, as I mentioned, most of the recordings were done before that movie was released. But thankfully, we still have today's show where we can talk about it, where I was I went to see James Bond movie and I saw it with my wife and I found it to be a good James Bond movie. It was a little little too long for me because I think they drag things out. Yeah, but I, agree. I was energized in the middle when I saw a point where you have James Bond in the middle of a forest decides to steal a motorcycle from somebody by putting a wire between two trees and knocking the rider off. And I was like, hey, that's the greatest kid. Yeah. And right. after after that, I mentioned it to Jay, and Jay said, "Oh, I saw that too." And Jay even mentioned it when he was on, on a podcast cuts. talking. Yes. Yeah, when when he was talking about No Time to Die, he mentioned it. So I was grateful for for that mention that I noticed it also. I actually was the person who who added it to IMDb. I, I oh, love excellent. adding things to IMDb. I most of the time I just add quotes and stuff like that that they, that they miss and stuff and you know little little things like that. But this time I was like, okay, I'm gonna add that movie reference. And I've added it to No Time to Die. Have you added anything to the Great Escapes page? Nope. Ah, everything's I already there. I believe so. I think everything's already there. I don't think I was able to add anything. Well, actually, what I did add was that No Time to Die has references it, but it was it was a backhanded, uh, you know, addition because when you <laughs> when you add it to one side, then obviously it's mentioned on the other side also. So uh, when you add things to IMDb, does it have, does it get vetted? Does somebody have to approve it before it gets posted, or does it just does some it of it? Yes, some of it. No, it depends on what it is. No, it, because I've I've given so much to IMDb over the years, 
So most of them are approved automatically. There are certain categories of things that they that need to be vetted. Okay. I feel like you could try and push your luck and, and add a bit in the trivia that there's a podcast dedicated to the Great Escape minute by minute. Find it here. <laughs> and just put a plug in, put an ad in for your podcast. Well, no. What what I could do is, you know, if if I if I end up putting all the information about the podcast on IMDb, like, you know, we know Jim has done, he, he did with the best years of our lives and stuff yeah. like that. So, you know, if I, if I ever have time to actually sit down and do that and add everyone, you know, to IMDb and add all the episodes and stuff like that. So I would then have a connection to the great escape there. Huge. Thank you to Jim again for creating an IMDb page for me. Uh, there you go. <laughs> I'm on it. You got a real IMDb page. Yeah. I'm, I'm hoping to get one. I'm hoping to get one in about what is it? If if I'm on episode seventy one of so Silverado, you're, you're pretty deep in Silverado. So, yeah. So yeah, I, I I got another what ten weeks? No, twelve weeks. Twelve? No, fourteen weeks. So it's gonna be a while. It's gonna be almost at the end of my second season. <laughs> <laughs> Which is so funny to think of things that way, you know, because you know in the future how far things are gonna go and stuff like yeah. that. So. Yeah. So that was one of the things I wanted to mention. I want to also mention, I, I I never mentioned this bit of trivia, and I always found it really funny that while they were filming the movie, they were in, they were on site in Germany through most of it. And there, the, the town where they were, where, where they were filming, the, the police set up a speed trap because they knew that there were all these foreign actors that were going to be there and they're going to, you know, Charge them all for for speeding. Who do you think sped the the fastest and got caught? I feel like he would hear about it and then take it as a challenge, and that would be Steve McQueen. Would be my guess. So apparently, yes, it was Steve McQueen. <laughs> he and the actual chief of police was the one who pulled him over and said, "Herr McQueen, we have caught several of your comrades today, but you have won the prize for the highest number for the highest amount of speeding." And they actually arrested him and put him in jail. That makes <laughs> just complete sense. They threw him in the court. <laughs> yeah. Yes. It's it's very, very fitting to hear that. So I, I liked hearing that. Now, I, I, all these this hodgepodge of information, I'm just going to be jumping around on things, not going in any particular order. So after the escape, when the Gestapo took over the camp from the Luftwaffe, they actually doubled the guards. So here we see another example of of what type of repercussions this escape actually had. I mean, I, I think I mentioned it at some point, maybe last week. Do you know how many Germans were mobilized in order to, to try to find these escaped prisoners I, I in real life? I, not in real life, no. In, in the film, uh, several thousand were sent after Steve McQueen, it looks like. but No, there were only 50-something <laughs> that went after him, but but yeah. So the, the entire to, force was sent after him. Everyone else just kind of got one or two people. Exactly. So according to the book, on one of the last pages of, of Bricko's book, he writes that that they, they were able to figure out that there were more than 5 million Germans that spent some of their time looking for these prisoners. That's, there were, that's a lot. That's Five a million. hell of a lot. 5 million Germans were looking for 76 people over the course of just a few weeks. I mean, we're not even talking that long. And most of them were on, were on the job full time during the time that they were working. So, I mean, if you think about the, the philosophy of Roger, of the real Roger, as, as Patty told us last week, and of the Roger 
in the movie, you know, the idea is to, to keep the Germans as busy as possible. So I think if you get 5 million Germans to have to, to run around Germany and parts of France and other occupied areas of that, by the Germans, I think it's, it's safe to say that, that they, you know, despite the high cost of losing 50 men, they really were able to tie up a lot of the enemy. Yeah. Dealing with them. So opening up a third front, opening up a new front is just, it, it worked. And the fact that even after they all got caught and killed, and then, you know, you had 23 that were returned, but they doubled the guards in the, in the prison. So they already real, they realized at this point that, okay, we do have a problem here and we need to, to make sure that, that this doesn't happen again. And it never happened again. I mean, there was no mass escape after this. There, there were minor escapes by, by some of the prisoners here and there, but most of them were just caught again. There are very few people, from what I understand, that escaped from Stalaglyph 3 and made it back home. You know, we have the three that are mentioned in the movie and the three in real life, but that's pretty much it. Another thing I wanted to mention was the fact that, that apparently James Garner, when he was in the Korean War, he was actually the scrounger of his unit. So he used that in order to, to help him with this particular, for, for the job that he was given, you know, as, as scrounger here. Another thing, okay, the, the scene which we, we mentioned earlier about Cavendish falling through the beds, which is known here, it's seen here as comical and whatever. So, you know, I always assumed that it was, it was a scene that was fake. That didn't really happen. Now, apparently it did. Apparently, while they were scrounging around for wood throughout the entire, you know, to, to shore up the various tunnels. Yeah. So uh, the real Roger Bouchel volunteered all of the wood on his bed in order to to use it, to show everyone as an example that he's willing to, to, to sleep on a bed that they, they apparently put strings across in order for him to, to, you know, under the mattress so that he can yeah, stay yeah. on there. And at one point he jumped on his bed, forgetting that he didn't have it. And Roger came crashing down through the bed and fell on the, on top of the guy who was in the bunk underneath him. <laughs> so I, I like the fact that that is actually, you know, based somewhat on truth. Then you have there, there I mentioned this at some point that, that one of the German actors who played Frick, the guy, uh, Till Kiwi, so he had been a POW in America in a camp in, in Arizona, and he actually tried to escape 17 times. And I, I mentioned this probably at some point that he, he won one of his escapes. He made it all the way to St. Louis, which anyone <laughs> who knows U.S. geography, it's it's pretty far across yeah. the, the country. And then he was caught in St. Louis. So that's still pretty impressive that, that one of the German guards – has more experience escaping than all the other actors in the movie put together, even though some of them were POWs. Yeah, do you think there's a, a, a German equivalent of this film about that guy? So, yes, there is a movie <laughs> that I did see <laughs> and I hated. It was called The Mackenzie Break. In, it came out in 1970. Never heard It's about it. a group of German POWs in a British camp that uh, plot a way of escaping. Yeah, it was, it was terrible. Okay. I, I didn't like that movie at all. I will not add it to any kind of list. Uh, no, and I will not be doing a future podcast on it. Not a movie by minute one. Not an adjacent uh, Great Escape. No, not going to happen. 
right. Um, what else? There, there was there was a whole issue when they were filming this movie about women. Okay, because there there are no women featured in this movie. There's obviously no women that have any speaking parts. There are a few times where we see women standing in lines when people are waiting either by bus or train terminals or things like that. So while they were in the middle of the production, so Sturgis kept getting memos from the company United Artists saying that they need to put female roles in the movie. And they said, well, why don't we have actually a woman who grabs Ashley Pitt as he's dying and we can, we can have, you know, this, this, this girl in a low cut blouse, you know, cut, uh, cuddling him while, while, while he's dying. And obviously Sturge just said no to all of those things. They apparently, they even wanted to have a contest in Munich called Miss Prison Camp oh in order God. to try and figure out who to cast in that role. They're just refused and didn't allow them to, to do anything. And we are all grateful for that because this movie, you know, I, I'm all for equal rights. I'm all for having women in movies, but in a movie like this, there's just no role for a movie. It's it's like what they did in the, the Longest Yard, right? They added in the secretary in the prison camp in order to have an affair with with Burt Reynolds' character, just because that's what the studio wanted. Well, and think of like uh, Cool Hand Luke. Yes, you've got uh, uh, Luke's mom has a scene, but the the other prominent female character is washing your car in a very skimpy uh, outfit. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I was like, yeah, I, I, I uh, agree with there should be more female roles in films, as, as many as possible. Uh, but sometimes looking at the decisions that the production companies make, it's a better decision not to follow their advice. <laughs> yes. Miss Prison Completely. Camp. Bloody hell. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. What else? The, the screenplay actually went through six writers and 11 versions. And while they were filming the movie, they were still in the process of fixing up the script. Okay. So, yeah, yeah, that, that's, that's something that I wanted to mention. Also, a year before, or while they were in the middle of, of the actual digging of the escape tunnels, there were 26 prisoners who actually managed to escape uh, from the camp in June of 1943. They were... Every one of them was recaptured, and some of them actually were part of the Great Escape later on. Nice. Two of them actually tried stealing a plane, and they were caught before they were able to start the engine. And that is actually one of the reasons that they used that scene of the two of them stealing the airplane in this movie when we have the scene with Blythe, with and, Henley. The, yeah. Blythe and, and Henley stealing the thing. Nice. And the, the, the real life were sent to Colditz which was another place where they were holding a lot of their prisoners. Now, do you know what this movie was originally called? Uh, I... Nope, I do not. <laughs> okay, it was originally called The Last Escape. The Last Escape, okay. Yeah. Was it actually The Last Escape from this camp? From what I understand and from what I mentioned earlier, it, it was The Last Mass Escape, that's for sure. Was it the final escape ever there? I don't know. No, but I think the idea was is no one's know, ever escaped from anything <laughs> ever since this. Since this. <laughs> no, I meant from from the from from there. But I I think the point here of trying to call it the last escape is that most of these are just killed. So most of the you know you have fifty oh, fifty see, of them that don't make it, it back. Was their I think last that was escape. the point. <laughs> yeah, I think it was their their last escape, and that's pretty much all the the trivia I have that 
I want to talk about this movie. Uh, I'm sure there's so much more. I think we pretty much covered it well. I think the so. whole movie. Uh, there's there's uh, one final thing that I like to do either on Deep Blue Sea, the podcast. Uh, I like to look at how deep and how blue a film is. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for uh, that so, surprise, Jay. For any any listeners who don't know, over on Deep Blue Sea, the podcast, uh, myself and my co-host Mark Hofmeyer, former guest of the show here, uh, we're looking at Deep Blue Sea adjacent films since we finished doing the trilogy, uh, chapter by chapter, and films that are like directed by Rennie Harlan or have sharks in them or underwater action, that kind of thing. And I painstakingly go through the film and work out how deep all of the action is set at and how blue the screen is at various times. And uh, I tried to do that for The Great Escape. This is, this is kind of the least accurate I've ever done because it's a real skimming through it trying to guess. But <laughs> uh, so, so Deep Blue Sea on average is 14 and a half metres deep and about 31% blue. Do you reckon The Great Escape, Rob, is deeper and or bluer? than Deep Blue Sea. I think it is neither. <laughs> you are correct. That's what I would say. <laughs> you are correct. So the way I do this, if it takes place on ground level, as most of this film does, I say that it is, it is one meter up in the air. So about three feet. And everything else I do at roughly the depth that I kind of work out. So how, how deep are the tunnels? Do they, are they supposed to 30 be? 30 feet. 30 feet. They're supposed to be 30 feet, even though even though I have 20 feet of rope that, that, that yeah. covers 50 feet. They have that's, magic rope. That's what I thought. So <laughs> that's about nine meters. Uh, so I, I looked at how long it's spent actually in the tunnels in the film, and that's nine meters deep. Everything else is one meter up in the air, and it works out at just under surface level, which I was surprised at. There's a total of uh, about 18 minutes is spent in the tunnel over the film, and the that's rest, it? yeah, out of 172 minutes, that's not very much at all. Well, this is like actual shots in the tunnel of digging and escaping. Right. No, I understand that. So the, understand. the longest sequence is, is obviously the escape sequence. Uh, which is uh, about 12, 12, 13 solid minutes of being in the tunnel. Just, that, I mean, okay. you'll you'll know this more than I because you did twelve to thirty yeah. episodes on that. <laughs> yes, I did. Uh, so yeah, so that's about eight, eighteen and a bit minutes spent at nine, at nine meters deep, hundred fifty-five out, one up in the air. Works out at being. Uh, there was more than one minute up in the air. There's only one minute up in the air. A ground level. I thought there was Sorry, two. Gra- a ground level. I forgot about being on the plane. I forgot about that. Ah, well, there you go. That probably that probably works out as being just over surface level then. But basically, it it, no. it roughly breaks even that everything takes place at ground level. <laughs> um, and in terms of blueness, you got a lot of sky, a lot of blue uniforms going around here, like uh, Rogers, Henley's, Hiltz's shirt. There's a lot, a lot of the kind of Nazi uniforms are a dark blue. Uh, all the you have camp guards, so that it works out about six percent blue. In the end, not very blue, but then bluer than I thought it would be for a film about tunneling, where you think a lot of it is going to be True. underground. So, for a comparison, that is uh, bluer than the film *Ravenous*, the um, the film set uh, in the mountains with Guy Pearce and Robert Carlyle, where the only thing blue is their uniforms. But it is less blue than uh, the film. 12 Rounds, the Rennie Harlan film, 12 Rounds with John Cena. Oh, I've seen that one, actually. John Cena as John McClane. Uh, and also Keanu Reeves' character in Speed. So, yeah. <laughs> I know, I told you I hadn't done this. We mentioned I wouldn't have time to do it, but I just about cobbled it together. So, yes. <laughs> about ground level and 6% blue. Well, I definitely speed. appreciate that. There's no question about that. <laughs> and I, pr- I appreciate the surprise. You're welcome. Yeah. All right. 
how many minutes? Now, obviously, you know this 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 episode that we're recording right now is right now slightly over an hour, so we'll we'll have to add that to this. But how many minutes do you think this entire podcast has been? 174 episodes. Not include. Actually, we can include this one also. 175 episodes. Okay. Uh, so if they're about 25 minutes each as an average, then it'd be about 4,300 would be my my quick calculation. You're not far off. Okay, so so not including this episode, we have 3,947 minutes. Okay. And this minute, this 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 will actually take us, depending on how much I edit, <laughs> this will take us over the 4,000 mark, Excellent. which is pretty good. Yeah. All right. Very good. So that comes out to over 66 hours. Yep. Okay. So someone can basically sit down for three days nonstop yep. and they'll, ha- they'll have a few hours spare of, of listening to it. <laughs> uh, yeah. What a way to go. Uh... <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I don't think many, many movie by minute podcasts reach, reach that number. What do you think? I'm going to guess the Lord of the Rings ones did because they're. Okay. That's true. Uh, okay. They're also very long films. And I think the ones who truly started this all, Gutterballs with the Big Lebowski, I think they're, they're like one to two hours per minute for that. Oh, film. really? Uh, I, I I haven't listened to the whole thing, but very, it's a very tangential podcast. A very like right. take a topic and then wander off for a while, and then maybe detour back to the minute. So I'm guessing they right. might have done, uh, but I think you're definitely up there in terms of the amount of of minutes on record for a film. Definitely. Right. Yeah, no, I'm I'm not trying to break any records here or anything like that. It was it was it was a lot of fun. There's no question. It was it was very time consuming because as as you and I both know, if you've recorded 66 hours, how many hours have you really spent? Well, that's it. Sorry, if you've, you've released, released yeah. if you've released 66 hours, how many hours have you spent recording? Yeah, you've, and how many hours have you actually you know spent doing research? Because you well, you probably edit and, edit 10 to 20 percent out of each episode. No, no, no. Most of them, I would, I would, I would say between five and ten percent. There are a few episodes where I edit out a lot. Okay, and then but in in general, but then recording it, you know, have a little bit before, a little bit after the show. Uh, any connection issues? Uh, uh, <laughs> that's never happened. Scheduling nightmares. Uh, Re-recording that? things. Exactly, all of the research, as you say, and then the uploading. Uh, the yeah, there's, there's it's not just a case of oh it's a 25 minute episode that took 25 minutes to do no no, uh, I'd say at least double probably triple. Yeah. yeah, yeah, I definitely would agree with that. And I mean I I did also have four weeks of episodes that I needed to re-record. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I remember the, the the updates as you were going through. <laughs> Didn't sound yeah. like a fun time. Podcasting uh, no, is a but, great hobby. But, Never goes wrong. But as I say, but as I said back then, I say now, it was a great learning experience, and you know, you you, you learn a lot of these from these things. Indeed. No question about that. So basically, all that I have left is to thank. I I had forty guests on this on this uh, show. I cannot name them all. You can't. <laughs> I can name some. I know some of them. <laughs> yes. Yeah, well, some of them I know through you. Yes. That's how I met them. You know. So. You know, and we obviously also had two special guests, and obviously this this began because Tom Hoyt and I decided to to do this together. Tom unfortunately needed to drop out due to personal reasons, so we only managed to record 41 episodes together over the course of a period of I think two months 
whatever it is. And I did all of the rest of the episode. So another 134 all by myself. I, I, I hope that, that my listeners have felt that I've done a, a good enough job on my own. You've done a great job, Rob. You've done a fantastic okay. job. Thank you. I, I appreciate that. But, you know, you're, you're, you're preaching to the choir. I'm preaching to the choir by telling you that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but it's still appreciated. No question about that. <laughs> so I basically just wanted to, to go through and thank every one of my guests. I will mention each of them. I, I apologize in advance if I miss someone. I also apologize that if I didn't bring any of them back for the second season or the third season or the future, who knows? Well, your your second season is considerably shorter than your first. Yes, that it is. That it is. So there, there's a reason why I needed to cut cut down a hundred people, a uh, whole bunch of people, not a hundred. <laughs> <laughs> I had to cut down a whole bunch of people over the course of that. But so hopefully people will take that in stride and not not take offense if you were not asked back for the second season. Hopefully I will get you back on a future season because I think just about every one of my guests was a stellar guest and you all helped make this such a success. The, the conversations that we had were great and I had a lot of fun. Hopefully everyone listening also had a lot of fun by listening to everything that we did. So I basically just want to go one by one and thank everyone. So we'll start from almost the beginning. So I want to thank uh, J-Bam, Todd Liebenau, Tierney Steele, Justin, J.D. Keen, Jim O'Kane, who without Jim O'Kane, most of us in the Movies by Minute podcasting world would not be doing what we're doing. So thank you, Jim, for this. Thank you for all your collaborative projects that you're doing, even the one that's about to start tomorrow, which I had a lot of fun recording and hopefully I'll have a lot of fun listening to like the previous ones. Tyson Ferris, Alan Sanders, Tony Coogan, Dana Nachman, Richard Kirkham, Don Wistens, Alex Robinson, Curtis Blaze, Sean German, Luke Allen, Duncan Shields, Nick Rehack, Brian Lockhart, J-Dub, Eric Nash, James Wilson, Father David, Aaron Neuwirth, Eric Deutsch, Mark Hoffmeyer, Lisa Leahy, Simon Appleton, Jeanette Ward, Steve J. Rubin, Joe Amadei, Will Slater, Howard Kasner, Hugh Keen, Becky O'Brien, Patty Flint, Professor Jonathan Vance, Tony Hoskins, Jason Sturschick, and then we got Christoph Epinon, who was the director of the documentary that, that we discussed, and we had, I had a great episode with him. I obviously also want to thank David McCollum for taking his time to talk to me about his experiences while filming the movie. And last but not least, I want to once again thank my friend Jay. Oh, anytime. Happy to be here. Is is at fault for, for me doing this? <laughs> Listeners, I'm sorry. Uh, well, hopefully hopefully they if they've reached this far this this far, they're probably not that upset at either one of us. Let's put it that way. I hope so. And the most important person for me to thank for all this is my wife Aura, who has been very kind <laughs> in letting me spend all this time working on it. Uh, understanding completely <laughs> even when recording has gone over the time limit that i told her that it would take by an hour like or so. <laughs> no it generally is not that long but even even when it goes 15 20 minutes or a half hour later she she's she's not too happy because she 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 likes to know how much time it's going to be and and as you know jay and anyone else who who does these type of podcasts know there's no way to know exactly beforehand how long each episode is going to be yeah 
and you you don't want to cut things short because you don't want to feel as if you miss something. So it's a problem. Yes, that, just just um, thank um, you to all the wives out there. I would say exactly, <laughs> exactly. And I, I also want to give another thank you to someone who actually wasn't on the the actual show. Okay, my my original version of Week Nine was recorded with Rick and Julie from the Mad Max Movies by Minute show. And those episodes got screwed up and there was a big problem and they, they unfortunately didn't have time to come back and re-record. So I still want to thank you guys for taking the time and, and working with me, even though your episodes never came to light. So thank you for those. And I think that's pretty much it. I think, I think I've, I've thanked enough people. <laughs> I think we've had enough to talk about of this movie. So what is your next and, season? What's and I think that that's where we're going to end here. Now, as as people know, thank you for, for bringing that up, Jay. So as people know, today is I, – I actually preempted the, the final two episodes, and that's why yesterday you had an episode on Saturday. Today there's an episode on Sunday, which we're not used to doing. But the reason I did that is because I want to start season two tomorrow. So first of all, I'm going to ask Jay. Jay, Jay you want to come back tomorrow and, and talk with us again? Maybe about another movie? I'd love to. I'd love to. I'll move from – from Poland to uh, New York. There you go. Because we're going to start tomorrow. That's right. So starting tomorrow, I've once again rebranded. My podcast will now be known as Movie Rob Minute. And season two, which will begin tomorrow, is all about the movie Planes, Trains, and Automobiles, the 1987 John Hughes comedy starring Steve Martin and John Candy. So we're going we're gonna to have... The greatest year in all of history. Agreed. We're going to go back to that again, Jay? <laughs> it, was, it was the year I turned 13. How's that? I, I was bar mitzvah, so it was a great year, year for turned. me, too. There you go. It's the year I turned over for the first time <laughs> after being born. Did you turn over by, by December? I don't know. <laughs> I, maybe. I don't know. <laughs> Had a few months in it by then. 1987 was probably not the best year for your parents because, you know, they didn't get any sleep through that second half of 1987. <laughs> well, I mean, maybe not the first half. My sister would have been one at that point. So. Okay. That's true also. <laughs> Starting tomorrow, everyone can come and listen to season two. It's 93 episodes, so it's a little bit shorter. It's almost half the, the time of this movie. And then hopefully from there, we'll move on to season three and four and five and onward and upward, as I always say. So I've had a great time. Hopefully you've all had a great time listening to me. Jay, I... On behalf of everyone we have. Okay, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> so once again, Jay, do you want to tell people how they can get in touch with you? Yes, well, the main thing is is Deep Blue Sea, the podcast, where, as I say, we've done the Deep Blue Sea trilogy, one DVD chapter at a time. Uh, we're now looking at Deep Blue Sea adjacent films. Uh, one a week, and uh, my personal site is lifeversusfilm.com, life vs film. I am the shepherd of the lamb, as you mentioned, the large association of movie blogs, which is exactly what it sounds like. It's a big online collection of movie blogs for a large moviblogs.com. If you have a movie blog or podcast and want to join a collection of like-minded folks, then please do so. You can find The Great Escape Minute is on there, and I'm sure Movie Rob Minute will be added to that very soon once it's up and running and you have a few episodes under your belt it'll be a, a lamb member uh, i'm sure and uh in the future you mentioned silverado minute or that coming out soon uh, mark and i have a, a a week of that i think we're week six so we'll be uh eight, uh, early april i think we'll be on that one but then looking a little bit further ahead mark and i are planning on doing con air the podcast so it's not out yet ignore the credit at the end of my first week of playing strange autovilles it's not out yet uh but maybe July is what we're aiming for, for Conair, the podcast, going through Conair, not one DVD chapter at a time, but one scene at a time, because the DVD chapters on Conair are ridiculous. 
So. Okay, so you'll have you'll have more episodes. episodes. Eighteen. You'll have more episodes. There you yes. Go. There, there's eighteen on the disc. We, I think we've span, expanded to like forty odd. So forty episodes. Okay, that'll that'll let you guys reach almost close to a year, including yes. I'm sure you'll yes, do yes. any con con air adjacent movies along the way also. And stuff like uh, that. that's we haven't decided that yet. We'll, Anything dealing with a plane. <laughs> we'll do Con Air two and Con Air three when when they if they ever happen when they come out of Shark Week. <laughs> yeah, that'd be good. Well, we're still hoping for Deep Sea four at some point. That's right. So that's always on the cards. We will return to Deep Sea when that happens. All right. And once again, please go rate, review, and subscribe on any podcatcher they might be using to listen to this show. You can email us at thegreatminute at gmail.com. Our Facebook group is The Cooler. Our website is thegreatescapeminute.com. And you can find me on Twitter at greatescapemxm. And if you're looking for the new stuff under Movie Rob Minute, so you can find that on Twitter, our website, Facebook. All you do is a quick search for Movie Rob Minute. And That'll be really fun. So thank you, everyone, for, for listening. Thank you for helping make this such a success. And until next time, I guess, tally-ho. Tally-ho. Tally-ho.